Welcome to the Creators on Comics podcast. This podcast is a conversation between two creators, dissecting the craft and technique that goes into creating comics. This episode features the editors in charge of two indie comics publishers, Marcus Jimenez of Dauntless Stories and Randy Stone of Altruist Comics. Marcus and Randy are both running small press companies focused on putting out quality books, so I paired them up for this highly informative episode. I hope you enjoy their conversation. Hi, I'm Marcus Jimenez. I am the editor of Dauntless Stories, and I am the writer of Daily Living and the artist of The Whole World Blind. And I'm Randy Stone. Um, I created uh, The Sensational Swan and co-created Bullet. I'm publisher of Altruist Comics. So we're going to be chatting to get together, uh, Marcus. Uh, first question I wanted to ask you, actually, because you seem to pop out of nowhere. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention on comics Twitter, but just all of a sudden you, you hit the ground running with all these dauntless stories. How long were you actually ramping up with these books in, in progress? That is a loaded not loaded question, but kind of a, uh, a weird, not weird, a weird trajectory for myself. So I'm pretty young and I, I've been making comics since high school. And a lot of times I was just making like strips of comics and I was tossing it on Tumblr. So that's where I first got my inkling of comics and comic book community. Um, like people making like fanzines and stuff like that. Like um, you probably can never find any of that stuff because I'm like, wow, it's so bad. I hit it away. But that's how I got my start. And then I had this dream of, you know, you have, everyone gets a dream. You, you want to hold your physical book uh, in your hand, right? And I, at the time, I didn't believe myself as an artist, but I believed in the stories that I was trying to tell. So I reached out to Gavin Guidry. Yeah. You, you know, he's the artist uh, on Dead Living, and he's the artist, uh, he did, it's called 33 with Juan Ponce. And then, you know, he's doing a ton of stuff right now. I believe he has a new book called Patrick Todd. That's what Ed Brizen that just yeah. was released last week. I reached out to him and, you know, he was still building up his career. This is like now three years ago. And I was like, hey, I love your work. I'm willing to pay your full rate. It might take me some time. I have enough money right now to do 20 pages. Here's three ideas I have. And he read through the three ideas. I gave him like one sheet of each story idea. And um, he picked Daily Living. And for about every three months, I paid him to do pages. And we ended up with like almost uh, a full first issue of Daily Living. I knew it was too expensive at the time to print single issues back to back to back just without any, you know, audience pre-built in. I think it's really hard as a new creator to, even if you have a company backing you, it's really hard to sell as a new creator on the individual uh, like series run. So. My pitch was like, hey, we would do 60 to eight to 90 pages, right? In that range. Um, we'd run the Kickstarter, do all that. This was, I, I told him this in February. And I was like, we, we're not going to launch until September, right? September 2020, right? So I told him this November through February. And we were working on the book. At the time, by February 2020, my following in the comic book community was like, I had like 200 followers. Yeah. I was like, there's, that's no way that I'm going to make any money to get this book off the ground. So I had two things in my mind. It's, I need to engross myself in this community and I need to surround the book with talent that was going to shine around me because I'm, I'm a new creator into the space. So I spent six months, just straight six months, making friends anywhere I could on Twitter. Okay. I, I backed Kickstarters, I, you know, promoted everyone's books and became genuine friends with a lot of creators on, on through the Twitter community. And then I was like, okay, I need to make sure I put Gavin with the right colorist. And he suggested Addison Duke, who's on Barbaric for Vault right now. And he's done a bunch yeah. of cool stuff. And then I was like, I need to get a great letterer. So I reached out to Taylor Esposito, who did uh, Red Hood and like a ton of other great stuff. And then I was like, the book needs a really good editor. And a lot of people gawk at me for this decision because, you know, there's a lot of great editors out there. But I actually went to one of the best letterers in the, in the 
game right now and i was like hey can you be the editor on my book yeah uh, but Hass is an incredible editor yeah uh, letterer as well as just knowledge of comics in general so <laughs> knowledge of comics yeah i uh, when i was writing dead living and making comics for the past two years it was right around the time he started making his youtube channel strip panel yeah. naked yeah. and i watched that religiously like that was my like bible of making comics and i reached out and he's like uh he's like yeah and i was already reading his uh panel by panel uh magazine at the time which was also fantastic um and together we created deadly living uh ended up being around 76 pages um and through just building my community i did kind of like you just said popped up but i spent a good solid six to eight months not even i posted about daily living but most of the time i it was just being a part of the community it was backing projects who needed help you know pointing people in direction who needed work kind of thing and um i think like uh, there's a person that i supported a lot uh ibrahim mustafa you know he's the creator of um Jaeger, uh retroactive uh the count for um humanoids and he did mother panic for dc uh, him and I developed a, a like a, a friendship, like uh, a professional friendship, and he was nice enough to do a cover, uh, the hardcover version for Daily Living, which okay. was also a big help. So I think building connections, building all this is the reason that I kind of popped out of nowhere because I kind of forced myself to get a head start, yeah. per se. And that was the first book. And from there, I've said this before uh, in other places, but I actually submitted Deadly Living when Gavin Addison and I had like 15 pages done, right? And I was like, hey, this can be a great four or five issue run. And I pitched it to everywhere. And yeah. of course the pandemic hit right when everything was being like, I was getting feedback and people were liking it. And they're like, hey, actually, you know, we can't do anything. It's the pandemic starting. So we went to Kickstarter. We beat our goal on Kickstarter. And then that's where Dauntless came from. It was just at that point, I felt like if I was going to make comics, I was going to just do it. Like I wasn't going to wait for the pandemic to be over and image to start picking up books. I wasn't going to wait for right. that. But I really wanted it to shine through. And Dauntless popped up out of nowhere. Dauntless, Dauntless is a real like surprise. It was like, Six months later, I was like, I need to make more books. I need to build a company around people who I know are going to be like rising stars in the community. And that's what I try to do um, for over the last year, year, three months now. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about where your comic book origin comes from? Uh, well, I've been making comics since I was a little kid, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a piece of paper and pencil, doing my own thing. Uh, stuck with it for a while, tried to be an artist, um, focused on inking for a while. And this is like 15 years ago. I was trying to break in as an inker. I ended up writing a book called Champion just as something that I could actually ink because I wasn't getting work from companies yet. And that actually ended up getting published. My first script for a book uh, got picked up. I'm like, okay, this is cool. But I didn't do numbers. Uh, it was not successful financially and real life kind of kicked in. We want to start a family and all that. So I kind of put comics aside. Uh, about a decade later, it just it wouldn't leave me, so I just had to get back into it. And I started doing some more stories, short stories. And it's just really funny. And one of the reasons why I was drawn to you immediately was because um, several of the people that I was working with on these short stories, Gavin, for one, was the first guy that I approached with um, a story for Death in Comics, or what ended up being Death in Comics. Uh, he drew that short. So uh, I noticed when you first released a bunch of these books or announcing them, Taylor Stouff, Gavin Guidry, they'd been guys that I worked with on these short stories. So I started with these little ones, uh, put that together as Death in Comics, then released a Sensational Swan, which is a superhero story, or a collection of short stories based on this character. Really moved away from doing the art myself, as I found uh, my talents were not nearly as impressive as other people that I could collaborate with. Um, so yeah, I was somewhat of an idea man that I would pitch people like Jordan Alseca. I had this bullet idea from years ago that uh, asked him to come on board and strip down the, the first draft that I had and build it back up to something that was actually a better story. Um, so that came out uh, through a Kickstarter as well. Yeah, I've just comics have been around me for 30 plus years and now I'm finally, finally putting books out. Like uh, you mentioned, just having that book in your hand, like that's the greatest feeling in the world. So to actually pump these out now, 
not nearly as frequently as I would like, you know, having a regular job and trying to balance it all with family and real life and everything else. It's a grind, but I'm starting to get these books out that I can share with people, all these ideas and um, working with these great people as well. This has been a lot of fun. You you talk about the grind and I know exactly what you mean. Like um, at Dauntless, it's mostly me as like the main everything. Yeah, <laughs> like I, exactly. Um, I've brought people in to, to help here and there. Like they do part time, like maybe a couple hours a week. Okay. Um, I know Dead Living it, for Dead Living. It was me and my fiance. Like we were just we packed like two hundred books in like two days, yeah. shipped everything out, and it's it's a really like trying to build this small publishing house like on your own. It's it's like you already have the long hours of being a comic book creator. Yeah. And then you add in the fact that you're also the one handling all the fulfillment, all the accounting, exactly. everything like that. It's a real grind, but I love it. Uh, I guess it's like you know, a glutton for punishment in that in that <laughs> yeah. case. Well, the reward is so high. I mean, the fact that you actually have this really cool product at the end of it all is just it makes it all worthwhile. So, uh, as an independent publisher, it's just something I've had to answer before. Um, yeah. Why Kickstarter and do you see anything problems arising around using Kickstarter as your main source of crowdfunding and audience? Yeah, definitely. There was a bunch of pushback this year on the crypto stuff. So that was something I considered. I had a project that was um, drafted in Kickstarter just as that whole thing hit. So I did finish off doing that one. That was the death and comics, death metal version. Um, I haven't done anything with them since, and I'm really hoping to corner Uh, like retailers, like get into that direct market. Um, It's something that is currently sitting with some distributors. I'm hoping to hear back from them if they'll accept this uh, ongoing bullet series. So fingers crossed that works and I can kind of spread from there. Uh, I don't know if I would never go back to Kickstarter. Like I think that it's still viable. Um, I do understand the concerns. Uh, It's something that, you know, I kind of weigh that as well. I kind of made a commitment myself this year that for every hundred books that I sell, plant a tree, just like, you know, some sort of offset, uh, you know, just the fact that I'm cutting down trees to print books or the fact that I'm using energy to get on social media and talk about my stuff. Like, you know, there must be some negative to all this. So maybe I could do a little bit something to, to get carbon neutral or whatever. But I know there's people who will just absolutely not touch Kickstarter now. And I understand their concerns. I don't know if I feel exactly the same way. I'm not a crypto person at all. I don't really understand everything completely. Um, (laughs) But I think my worry is more about if you put something out there, are people going to completely reject the idea because it's on Kickstarter? Kickstarter. Uh, Yeah. There are other options now with Zoop or Crowdfunder. Like maybe that's something worth trying. I know it's still fairly early, but uh, hopefully direct market works. I don't have to crowdfund, uh, but we'll see. So uh, on the Kickstarter front, the whole world of blind is kind of like a illustrated novel slash comic book that I've been making with Easton Deverna. And yeah. it was kind of like this fun. I, I've been drawing like three books for the last year, like <laughs> all together at the same time and writing a few of them. And I was like, I kind of just want to do something fun where I draw like one panel, like when I'm done with everything. That spiraled, obviously, and ended up in a, in a Kickstarter. So I'm finishing that up. Um, yeah. But that was right as everything was kicking off, like you were saying, with Kickstarter. Yeah. And and I definitely saw the impact of that okay. firsthand when, when, that, when all that was happening. Compared um, to previous launches? I, compared to previous launches. Like, yeah. I I was funded on Daily Living in the first four days at, right. like, $4,500, like $5,000. And yeah. our goal was 4000 And we did not crack that until like the second to last day of the campaign. It's oh, frightening. And <laughs> <laughs> like maybe like that last week, like sometime that last week is when we finally cracked it. Yeah. But like you could see that shift. And I am against the whole NFT crypto thing. For sure. Um, after learning about what it was and so, like, I made this vow that I wasn't going to use Kickstarter after the whole world blind. Luckily, I kind of pr- built in this pre-order system, yeah. crowdfunding pre-order system on Dauntless, uh, yeah. the Greenlight program. That has its positive and negatives, right? right? It's like positives is I run off the same platform as Kickstarter. So, like, Stripe, all that, 
which allows me to take credit cards and PayPal and, you know, really give everybody options. The other benefit is that because it's a pre-order system where you're actually buying your spot in, in everything like that, it's not all or nothing, which helps the creators because no matter what we were it's like, something. it's like they're taking a percentage of it. So like yeah. if, if the book makes four grand, we'll say we'll take like 1200 paper printing, the rest will go to them. You know what I yeah. mean? Like at the end of the day, they're always going to take a percentage of the book to do something. And we kind of call it like, like an image, a better image deal, like in the sense that like image, you know, they give you a percentage after everything. Like after the the retailer takes 50%, after they take 20%, you know, there's like 15 to 30% that's left over that goes to the individual creator. Yeah. So our goal is we're a boutique shop in the sense. It's like, we're going to sell it at a slightly higher price, uh, what we think it's worth, but we're going to try to give more back to the creator. Right. Um, and that helps in the campaign with Greenlight because we can as the money comes in by the second week say we make half our goal right there on the second week we can give half that money right to the creators and they can start working on it as they're still crowdfunding which okay. in the past has shown to generate more interest because right. now the artist is posting on twitter or on instagram and it's hyping people up yeah. which is you know a definite benefit of using that platform the negative aspect is that we don't have that name brand recognition that Kickstarter has built over the last 12 years. The built-in you know, audience. So yeah. The built-in audience, like the built-in recommendation system, the yeah. built-in products we love. So it's, it's reliant on the creators in a sense. Like we will do our part, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's also on the creators, which it's, it, that's, it, it's bad in it. It's not bad, but like in a way it makes me feel like I, sh I, I wish I could do more. Exactly. Um, but I was speaking to some people and who worked with DC and, and that, and they were like, that's kind of like the same situation that happens when you're working at, a, at the big two. It's like, it feels they like have their yeah. promotional department. Yeah. They have the promotional department, but if you go on any of their, all the Twitters, I'm like, look at Tom Taylor or Tom King or you know, all the time. They're just churning out tweets doing promotion exactly. work. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of something you just kind of stuck doing as, as a creator, which you know, has it's good, has it's bad. The direct market, like you, I'm waiting to hear back. Um, I okay. know Band of Bards recently got uh, approved through Diamond, which is very cool for them. They're okay, great people yeah. over there, Chris and Tim. But I hope you do get it. Uh, yeah. I have my worries about it. Uh, I don't know if you have any worries, like, going into the direct market. Well, I mean, there's the unknown, obviously. I haven't yeah. really experienced that, except for the couple things that have gone through publishers themselves. I tried Lunar and Diamond, so mm -hmm. I, I sent them there last week, I guess they received it. So hopefully I'll hear back. That's probably a three-week turnaround they talk about on their site. So I don't know. Um, I know some companies do use both, so I guess they yeah. could kind of hit a few extra stores that way. If one doesn't like Diamond, then maybe they order through Lunar. The potential is there, so I think just having it in a catalog that retailers are seeing, because if they're not following my Twitter or anything, they would never hear about my book otherwise. So the potential yeah. is there, but otherwise marketing will still be just me trying to get it out there, get the word, get people talking about it, and who knows how that'll work out. For you, what, it, what determines success? Like, what's successful for a book? Yeah, it's not monetary for sure. I don't expect to be making a fortune off of these things. Like uh, some of the projects you're just hoping to break even and that still hasn't happened on some things. So, you know, I, I don't measure by that at all. Um, if it's a good product, when people are actually legitimately enjoying it, I think that's probably the, the key mark of a success. Like it just feels so good that a reader says that they're looking forward to the next one or, you know, this thing really hit me or whatever. Yeah, that's that's amazing feeling. Um, it would be nice if everything became profitable and I can actually do this just like <laughs> yes. full time and really make it my living. But I know that's probably a few years off because it's a slow burn and trying to build up the catalog and everything. But yeah, just the fact that I'm able to work with uh, interesting people, uh, collaborator, collaborators that uh, can produce such interesting stories and great artwork and stuff that I could never dream of being that high quality doing it myself. The end result is an amazing comic book. And I think that is a success on its own because you think about so many people who 
consider themselves uh, comic creators and never actually put anything out. So the fact that I've put out books and, you know, complete packages and uh, shipped them all over the world, which is amazing too. You know, somebody in Germany or Australia who's reading my book, like, how crazy is that? It's not just me with a couple friends that, is, that may support me. That's the biggest feeling. Like, I package books that go to, like, Thailand. I've sent a couple over to India. And I was just like, it, the idea that people across the world are like, oh, I'm going to Donalds.com and I'm picking up, you know, this book. And, yeah. and when they pick up my book, it's even, like, a greater feeling because it's not only, like, this company I started, but, like, this book that I poured everything into. Yeah. Like you said, nothing, it doesn't feel like anything else. And the even cooler thing about that is that if it's your friend, you know that they're just trying to support you. And maybe they don't even read comics. They don't care about the story and maybe they never crack it open, but they just want to help you out because they're your friend. But the fact that a complete stranger is actually really excited about this project and willing to pay for not only the book, but like you say around the world, I don't know how much shipping is to Thailand, but when you're spending 30 or 40 <laughs> or $50 on shipping a yeah. $5 or $10 book, like, oh, you, you really must want to see that. And that, that feels pretty cool. Yeah. Anyone who buys my book from Europe or anything like that, it's it's just like, uh, it's just mind blowing. I just, I can't really put it into words of how great of a feeling it is. Yeah. Do you have plans for the future? I don't know if you want to talk about this, but do you have plans for the future of like the universe you're building with Bullet and uh, Swan and stuff like that? Yeah, um, I don't think they're, they're not specifically a shared universe. I wouldn't mind a crossover at some point, but I do have an ongoing Bullet series that will be coming up. There, I've been talking with another creator about doing a crossover as well. So I think that'd be kind of cool to expand that. Like those early image days when different creators would kind of crossover and appear in each other's books i mean that would be really cool to expand that with other indie creators yeah so i don't know exactly where it's headed i really admire what you're doing getting other creators to do their own books through you like i, I want to reach that point as well um so not necessarily a shared universe but under the altruist banner having other books by other creators i think basically i just want to prove that i can do it on my own like my books are successful then i can say to somebody else yeah come to me We'll put out your book and you will actually break even or earn a profit on yours because I've proven that I've got the system in place to do so. So I guess we'll see how that works. Again, it's a slow burn and trying to build myself up in that way. Stay tuned, I suppose. Um, so Marcus, on the note of other creators' projects, uh, I don't recall any sort of official submissions thing for Dauntless. I'm just wondering, uh, is it really just relationships that you built up that they approached you or are you finding people specifically that you wanted to bring into that? It's kind of a mix of everything. It it's really comes down to, is this a story that I think I can not only sell, but that I would go buy in a store, right? right. I get I get dozens of unsolicited pitches like okay. constantly. And there was a time that we were taking in pitches like, early last year i remember doing an interview with uh comic book yeti and i was saying this to them and we did reach it but i was like i wanted to run dauntless for clarification i come from a film and uh broadcasting background yeah so like i work as a director and an editor so i wanted to approach uh dauntless as if i was a indie film studio in the sense of comic books okay. where instead of putting out a series where, you know, every month we're pumping out 24 pages, which I think if as most indie creators in our sphere are, they're not full-time creators. Uh, you know, there are full-time creators. A lot of them are, you know, this is their second job. So yeah. I was like, let's put together stories that were inspired by my favorite books, the Black Sad uh, French series, you know, those uh, albums, 50, 60 pages. Yeah. And really push those where it's like, I, I can bring you onto a book. It's 60 pages. Someone can sit on their couch on a Sunday, read the whole thing. Um, yeah. So as creators came to me with stories for that they wanted to make, uh, that was one of the criteria I was looking at. Was, it's like, is this something that can fit into the 40 to 70 page range that fits into what I want to tell with Dauntless? Is it inclusive? Because I think that's a big part that I wanted to try to do is like, is the, sure. are the characters? Um, I come from a Hispanic background. Like my mom's Dominican and my dad's Puerto Rican. Like I want to see characters that are like them, like in, yeah. 
in books. I want to see all this kind of stuff. So um, I think the second book we brought in to the Dauntless lineup was Starless Daydream, but okay. um, curated by Frankie White. That book had 30 creators and it, it was just like the embodiment of what I wanted to do with, with Dauntless, which was like, let's push the boundaries. Let's, let's do anything we can to put new voices out there and, and grow. Uh, with that book, we we actually donated fifty percent of all sales to the Trevor Project. Okay. Um, to continue what Frankie did with the Kickstarter, um, we still do that with every sale. But like you, to, to circle back, it it the way I pick books for Dauntless is, am I seeing uh, a book that I want to read that I that fits into what the standards that Dauntless created, and also is the creator that I am um, approaching doing things in comics that i want to see in the comic book world like are they being like we said inclusive are they being just overall the type of person i want to represent the brand and i think the people so far that we've worked with all embody that for sure um we do have a few more books coming up that are by other creators and i wanted to touch on this from what you said before yeah um but we're actually pivoting to more of what you do uh, at, at your brand and we're actually starting to build out like stories that we own partial ip on or yeah. we own the full ip on and we're bringing creators in as a way to build that resume i think that i think that's our next step of helping creators it's like we've been having helping people create their own stories um which i think helps them grow i also think that people editors and stuff like that are also looking for people who can jump into an ip and run with it you know what i mean like yeah if you're going to go work for the big two you know they they're not going to pay you to create new characters they're paying you to write their characters so with us wanting to grow our ip i think this is an opportunity that we're having to bring in creators to you know build out an ip and build out a portfolio so on the recruiting front it is building relationships with me and other creators, but it's also, I'm on Twitter sometimes not interacting at all. I'm just kind of looking at art and reading stuff. So oh, like sure, if, yeah. if they're throwing pages up there, I'm looking at pages. Like yeah. I, I will always follow more people that follow me because I just like looking at art all day long. So like oh, my following list I'm is just... probably 90% just people <laughs> I'd love to work with. Like, Oh, you do cool stuff. And like, I'm going to follow you. That's yeah. exact. Like, I don't even, sometimes I won't even check the bio. I'll just go and I'll see, oh, I like this art and I'll press follow and then you know, I'll reevaluate later. But uh, I, yeah, if I see cool art most of the time, I'm just like, okay, that's a follow for me. Um, but then if I see that, you know, you're trying to build your career and you have good work, work ethic and, you know, you're, you're constantly putting the work as a creator, I will do my best to try to find something that I can put you in to build that portfolio here yeah. and there. How about you? Are you taking on, like, what's your submission criteria like? So I haven't opened anything up formally for projects, but uh, recently for Bullet Adventures, I wanted to put backup stories in there. And again, it's, it's that <laughs> whole thing about just supporting new talent and giving them a chance to put something out there. Um, I think something kind of cool about uh, Crime Pays, which is a crime anthology I did, several of the people had never had anything published before that. And so to actually have my book support them in that way and actually put something out that they brought into the world and I help them do that is a really cool feeling. Like we talked about earlier about just like what a success is and that is really neat. Um, yeah. Giving a platform to voices, even though my platform is still pretty small, admittedly. Um, yeah, these emerging talents in comics like that they have never been given an opportunity and they can actually put something out and I can help them do that. That was awesome. So I'm um, accepting short stories for backups in bullet adventures. I've got a few so far. Um, I'll continue to do that as long as I can put out that book that, it, uh, you know, four or five, six page things that I can stick in the back. It gets them out there. They have a, uh, published credit to their name and then it helps me out kind of builds up the book that there's more content for my readers and the customers there to get more for their money, having an extra little short story that kind of, doesn't necessarily have to follow bullet as far as art styles or themes or anything like that, but just something that complements it, you know, just putting those out there as well. Uh, so eventually I would like to open up submissions completely 
and maybe that is a dangerous thing as well like if you're receiving thousands <laughs> like yeah. you know how many are actually decent you know that's the tricky thing like you're saying sorry not what we're looking for because it's just pretty bad but um yeah you may find it's it down the rough. being yeah it's not even just about being decent it's i've turned down fantastic pitches okay but it's like i i think i also like in my brain it's evaluating audience reactions to this right some people may pitch a book that on all sides you're like i love this book i know that if people actually read it it would sell immediately right but is this creator you know so, someone that people are approaching is this is a, a story that is open to everybody that will draw that crowd and mm. sometimes it isn't and you have to say no to a, a story you know is going to be fantastic okay. um other times the you know the lineup is too full and you're like i can't say yes to any more stories and you turn right. down something fantastic which i think has been the like i think saying no to those kind of stories has been the hardest part of being a publisher is like knowing when to say no because yeah you don't want to put yourself in a hole that you're constantly digging yourself out of so at what point could um, you scale up by hiring help like more and more you think like if you put more into it maybe you could double your lineup and yes you know. dauntless in its first year right so going back to the whole film studio thing my limit is six books a year okay like that is that is my one shots graphic novellas like even our shorts which are like you know 12 page stories um mm -hmm. my limit is six i think that i would have to be making double to triple of what i'm making now in order to bring on more part-time help you know right. i would want to be able to pay them above minimum wage i want to pay them like all these other aspects i also think you can't expand until you in people until you can expand in location okay um so like a lot of it is run through i do have like a space that like where the books get delivered and and stuff like that and then a lot of times i end up just bringing everything home and i pack everything at home and ship out from home but like yeah. i do have like a commercial space that like i get all the mail to you and i get all that kind of stuff but until you can have a space that's actually workable and feels like an office that you know you can separate that work home balance then that's when i will feel comfortable bringing on physical employees like at the dauntless office that isn't just like like i'm bringing on a social media manager which is going to be a huge help because on top of everything i'm running social media and yeah. tw twitter is my biggest driver to sales yeah. i noticed which I, I've talked a lot about this with people and they're like, yeah, I, social media doesn't help me. And Twitter has been the biggest driver of all of our sales. Like okay. I would say Twitter accounts for almost 70% of my sales right. at, at Donald's. Um, That's also where your I've biggest got, presence is, right? Like you're, you're putting yeah, your time into that. Exactly. And lately we've taken a less of a presence on Twitter because we've noticed that because of world circumstances and, everything going on, especially in the US, people have taken to not going on Twitter or interacting less on Twitter. Okay. So the more we're pumping out, the less engagement that we're getting through that. So we've taken to big announcements, big things is what we are mostly gonna post about. Or like when people post reactions to stuff, like when customers get their books and they're posting about the books, that's what I'm using as a thing. Um, yeah. And kind of behind the scenes, I'm actually just running ads, which has been a big driver of sales right now. It's like, okay. I'll pay like 60 to 100 bucks every few weeks and it'll run an ad for two weeks, like on Twitter or run an ad on Facebook or Instagram. And that will drive in trickling sales yeah. in here and there. I asked this earlier of like, if you have any fears of the direct market. And for me, I see Donuts right now, at least for the first, the next year or two, still being this boutique shop because i yeah. want to give as much as i can to the creators when they're putting out their books and i think I, I think the fear that i have is that printing and shipping is getting so expensive right now as we're exactly. in the midst of everything that sales are not going to outweigh the cost of time shipping and printing that's going to come so like a, a book selling a thousand copies is going to earn us a profit 
that I can pay everybody involved, but it's still going to be a deficit on, on the dauntless side because the time that I have to invest on top of my day job in order to fulfill all those, you know, that requirement at this time, I don't know if it's worth it. Like I want to get to a spot where we're selling. I think our highest selling point, like on the one run of a book is Judas complex, which is coming out in the next couple of months um, that we had to pre-order back in December, November, December. And that was, almost 500 uh, pre-orders, which for as a, we were only six months of the business at the time. That's like a big thing. So for my sure, goal yeah. is to hit like 700 to a thousand before I really push hard on direct market. Like I want to know that I have a solid, solid base there before I, I put myself in a position where not having enough sales direct market could, would sink me in the long run right. faster than me doing boutique stuff. Uh, Right now, that's my opinion. Uh, I get it, especially the price wrong. drop that people aren't willing to pay necessarily. I was actually having a conversation with some friends the other day about that, that people won't pay $6 for something in a store, yet they'll pay $30 for the same thing on Kickstarter, I'm like what? plus shipping. So $60 maybe altogether. Like, it's just ridiculous. What it is, too, is that it's it comes down to quality in on the Kickstarter because on Kickstarter or Greenlight or Zoop, whatever you're using, it's like, you know that the creator, whether it's a small publisher like us or like the individual, is going to put more time and effort into making the book, choosing the right paper, choosing the right thing. But when you have to, you know, shell out for like anywhere from one to 5,000 copies, right, there's going to be a switch in your brain that kicks on that's like, okay, I kind of have to cut costs somewhere here in order to make this fulfillment. Um, whether that's because of you forcing to do that or because of someone like Diamond or Lunar is going to force you to do that. Yeah. Just look at Marvel. Look at Marvel, right? Marvel and DC. Like, obviously, they're a big company and they're pumping out tens of thousands of books every week, yeah. right? But look at the paper quality now compared to 15 years ago or 10 years ago. There's a drop in qual- quality in order to fulfill that quantity. And that's right. something I don't want to sacrifice right now in terms of, of like, publishing a book because like paper if we're talking paper right you know marvel probably p- prints their interiors on like 65 pound paper right yeah. i don't go anything below 80 yeah like i go for like a thicker piece of paper that's more quality that's not gonna you know curl up like when you go to print yeah which is which makes me even more pickier when it comes to my printer because not everybody can do that or right. they can't do that they're gonna charge 10 times more money so it's a it's a dance it's a balance between everything in that sense yeah for sure i was thinking about actually when we're talking about scaling up um you know you don't doesn't have to be a physical thing bringing somebody into your office necessarily because i've got a home office as well so i'm not gonna have people like coming into my house and working here um (laughs) but just hiring people like whether it's to do pr like you have social media you, you mentioned i wonder about having more titles that you get more out of those things like if you're gonna do a press release for a single book compared to, oh, here's a line of like three new titles or something. Maybe that makes a bigger impact with people and mm-hmm. others would take notice. Oh, this this is a serious publisher that's got a bunch of stuff coming out. Hey, let's take a look. Uh, I'm just wondering if that would really help having more, like a bigger impact. I think it did. I think uh, we kind of did something similar to that um, because mm-hmm. we had between August and December, we had three books. There were yeah. two on pre-order, one or three were pre-order, and they came out like December, February, and then now summer they're coming out in that order. Yeah. Um, and I think that made a big push because when once one was supporting the other, right? You had you had like the the people who follow a certain set of creators are now following another set of creators. Yeah, and I think that there's. Um, you know, are all in that multiple lineup, it does exactly what you're saying. It's pushing that more seriously, especially if they're coming with credits, right? And that helps them really grow more, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a similar thing to anthologies. Like you've got a dozen or 20 creative teams that uh, they kind of cross-pollinate their fan bases, right? Yeah. So they all come together in some way and then maybe a fan of creator A would then enjoy creator b's thing and then follow them moving forward yeah we so actually 
let's talk about anthologies. I kind of want to pick your brain. Um, yeah. So uh, the backup stories you're doing, right? You know, they're yeah. the kind of anthology like shorts. Was the, is the plan to collect them into one book or just kind of keep them with each issue of the bullet coming out? Oh, yeah, so they'll stick with the bullet issue. Um, and that those creators would own their story forever. That's not my thing. I'm not taking any sort of control of that. Um, so for the single issue, they would appear there as a backup story. When it's time to collect bullet, then the volume will be just the bullet stories. And mm -hmm. they retain all rights to everything that they did. So it's kind of just piggybacking for that single issue. I mean, digital sales will be per perpetual, but um, it will never get reprinted as part of the collection of bullet adventures. That's yep. my thought anyways, I figure, you know, we, we have that platform smart. at the time, but they keep it and I keep mine and you know, that's how it'll go. Go from there. Yeah. yeah. So, so one of the things that I'm doing is we're trying to establish these universes within the Dauntless IPs, right? Yeah. So we're doing something, it hasn't been officially announced, but I'm talking about it anyways. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm calling it the Tales of the Dead of Living. And the idea okay. would be to bring in other creators. So similar to what you're doing with backup stories, yeah. but instead of them being backups, it's they're kind of all like short stories that are going to kind of kick off larger graphic novels or graphic novellas. Okay. Um, and kind of using that as a springboard to see what people want or read with Dauntless, like within the deadly um, living universe like taking those characters and exploring them further all new characters um, okay like so like the dead living universe for me it, when i created it it was this idea that i wanted to do i wanted to create a universe where literally anything could happen almost yeah. like the dc or marvel universe where you have like the whole cosmic side and you have a whole whatever right yeah it's like i kind of established this world where all these outlandish powers already exist and yeah this world exists and i have ideas for like 20 different characters that i would love to do all of them myself but obviously yeah. i can't do all 20 characters myself so i was like okay i'm gonna create all these one sheets i'm gonna design all the characters and i'm gonna bring in writers to write five to 40 pages and then we're just gonna see how it goes and yeah. it's like i think the fun part so far we've we've gotten three or four writers on board already that have been working for the last few months and okay. everybody's style is still different but it still yeah. fits the tone of the world and originally we were going to release them separately uh, but we kind of moved into this idea of making like a one-shot anthology and i know people say anthologies don't sell but as someone who's published anthologies what's your opinion well i can't say sales were incredible either so i don't really know about that but obviously <laughs> as you grow and build then i'd imagine it'd be more successful um i don't know i, I always like the idea dark horse presents even like an ongoing anthology that was so yeah yeah the model makes sense That's too because you've got like a three-parter and then uh, people tune in for the third part they're picking up part a of the next like some other stories so it, it kind of draws you to continue buying the series uh, even if you're only in it for those first few then maybe something else catches your interest and you continue on there's something for everybody too like maybe you like two of the three stories that are in there uh okay not everyone hits but you know there's something in there for you and hopefully an anthology like that would work i don't know i i want to pursue it further i did crime pays i want to do like a horror one i want to do a romance one and just have these kind of set volumes of these different genres um it's just a matter of finding the time to actually organize those the price a Donald's book with Grant Harshman yeah. was directly influenced by the Crimes Pays book. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. He he has a story in there with Jay yeah. and yeah. Um, AHG, and Brent was sent me that story. Brent sent me a bunch of stories. And I was like, I love it. I we got to do something together, and that directly led to the price. Yeah, which was a really fun book that we did last year. Yeah, um, but that's what I that's what my hope is from you know doing an anthology or doing these short stories is. The creator can go and be like, hey, here, look, bam, and then get hired somewhere else. Or, yeah, know, exactly. Make or even the idea is taken further. I know this was not like a crime thing went to a more, almost like a vertigo story price was just weird, like honestly, <laughs> but like really interesting, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's not like that is related at all, but the fact that they have that little taste of here's what I can do, and then it launches their career. Like I, I totally feel that. And I hope the same thing, like every single person who puts some short story in the back of Bullet, 
I hope they go on to something bigger, maybe with me, maybe with other companies, whatever. But it's it's that little um, trial, like a, a taste of this creator. Uh, I was joking around with like Chris from uh, Band of Bards like a few weeks ago. Yeah. And we're like, you know, we got to get a bunch of small publishers together and just kind of do a, like a one shot anthology of just stories about different publishers and just yeah. seeing how the, how much fun that would be. Got to talk about yeah. it one day off. You know, let's see if that would that can happen but exactly. i i think that that brought up for me uh the community aspect of indie publishers right now yeah. i think that us all collaborating talking like we are now i think eventually we'll just benefit everyone else like keeping yeah. it open keeping it transparent because i think that's where things go wrong with bigger companies where like everybody's trying to compete no one's trying to see like I would rather point people in the direction of band the bards if I know they're you know hiring right yeah. I I'm, I like if, if I know that I can't take on a story but band the bards can take it on or you can take it on or so yeah. on and so forth I think that's just better all on the community because it's all like all bolts rise together you, you know what I mean exactly. like if we're not ha- helping out it's kind of like we all get stuck. Well, we're all learning at the same rate too, and I hope there's those shared resources that you kind of make those connections like, oh, here's a list of retailers I'll send to you so you don't have to find those same hundreds of phone numbers that I've got or whatever and like kind of work together because it's almost silly how many people and even not publishing houses, but just individual creators who are doing the exact same thing we're all doing, but making the same mistakes initially learning from that and everything instead of all of it, everybody sharing that information that so you don't have to go through those missteps to start with. I mean, I hope yeah. I can get to that point where I'm like, yeah, I did it. So here, here's how to do it. I know uh, that I'm not just uh, struggling to start out with and everybody else is going to make those same mistakes. I think that's the ultimate goal is just the constant informational sharing. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ask you one big question. What is the dream for, for your publisher? Like, what is the, what's a, what's their dream creator you want to work with? What's the dream uh, interesting. book you want to put out? I mean, more of what I'm doing, uh, honestly, if I can have Bullet Adventures being ongoing for years and years and years, that would delight me. Um, my primary concern is just comic books. Like, I want to make good comics, but I would love to have action figures of these characters and a Saturday morning cartoon. Like, that would just be kind of cool, like the kid inside of me. I, I've already uh, accomplished having comic books put out with my name on it, which is, like, my dream for the past 30-some-odd years. But to have those extra little things would be kind of cool specific creators i don't know Uh, that's interesting i don't know if any specific name is that important to me that having them under my banner would really make a difference like i think a no name that had a really interesting story is probably more important financially i hope it all takes off and i could do this (laughs) time and really just help other people put their books out too like that is really something that's important to me like i don't want to just say that like yeah i i want to help people like i actually do like i Behind the scenes, Twitter DMs, like people ask me for advice. And like, if I can help them, I really, really try. And I probably put way too much time into, you know, giving details to these people. But like, if they don't have to make those same mistakes, or if I can point them towards artists that they could possibly have draw their book, then it actually worked recently. Somebody came back to me and said, I found this person from your list of uh, a couple dozen artists I suggested. And they ended up working together. So that's pretty cool. I know that's just a tangent I kind of went off on, but uh, okay. I, I don't know about any specific names. I, I just hope that I can keep doing this and uh, hopefully do it full time and get bigger and better with the books that come out. I don't know how about yourself. That's awesome. I, I, I have artists that I want to work with personally. Like if I'm with the de- Dead Living is my baby, like of a thing that I, I want to build out. So I have like lists of people on every level of like from indie new people to you know veterans that i want to work with but i think the ultimate goal for me is not even necessarily to have dollars be my full-time job it's more i want to i want to have dollars become self-sustainable right. in a sense that i can just be like hey book a is out and you know you bring in somebody and you're like hey i want to do this book and it's already paid for you get what i mean like that's just my yeah. goal it's just like dollars is sustainable to a point that like one thing pays for the next thing and pays for the next thing. And it's like, I don't have to say no right. to a book. I want to be able to say yes. Yeah. Automatic green light if it's something that I 
that I thoroughly enjoy. And I think that's my ultimate goal with Dauntless is building it to that point and, you know, making it a, a, a space for, for creators who are like me yeah. to have on a personal dream goal, like beyond the big picture goal, I would like to, I think a smaller goal I have is build up the Dead Living line to the point that I can have this event that I've been planning for years now yeah. and have it be the culmination of all my hard work and kind of leave that as my touchstone. It's like, hey, you can read this whole line that leads up to this big, big book that I'm proud to put my name on and fulfill that childhood dream of like, you know, making comics. And yeah. so between that and hopefully making Dauntless that safe, sustainable place, that's the goal. It's yeah, for me personally. And the way you're doing these individual or short stories or novellas, uh, expanding that universe kind of hits both of those because you can put on those indie guys or find a veteran creator for just a five page story. And at least you have that chance to work with them, even on a small scale, whereas you may give a larger project to some newbie uh, that you, you want to work with. And then it kind of yeah, builds yeah, that, really, that big event. So that's the goal. Thank you so much for, you know, speaking with me on the podcast. And I think what I love so much about your work is that you're putting all your heart and soul into it and really making it something, you know, worthwhile for yourself. And I think that's something to be proud of. So congrats. And I hope a lot of success for you going forward. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Marcus. I, I really like the stuff you've been doing as well. And you're breaking new ground, not only with the stories you tell, but the way you're doing things with your company. And I'm excited to see what you have in store next. So it's pretty cool. Thank you to Marcus and Randy for joining us for this discussion. Marcus's comics, including Deadly Living, can be found at dauntlessstories.com. And Randy's comics, including Bullet and The Sensational Swan, can be found over at altruistcomics.com. As always, I'll include links in the episode description. Special thanks to Matt Campbell for composing our music, and Patrick Hart for designing our logo. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creators on Comics Podcast. <laughs>